Good evening, everyone. We are back to another season of F1, which also means another season of Toaster Talk. While this is a running episode number 29, we thought we'd talk to all of you about what's this new season lined up for. Last year was exciting, the year before that even more maybe. Uh, a lot of changes have come in in 2023, whether it's faces that we see in the driving co cockpit to the livery, the tracks, quite a few things have changed. And if you're catching up onto F1 for the first time, don't worry, we'll take you along on this fast-paced journey. I'm your host, Vivek Shah. Along with me, I have two other panelists that if you have been watching this show have been regulars on our show over the last few years. First up, Vignesh. Hey, Vignesh, how are you doing? Hey, hi, Vivek. Doing great. Really excited for the upcoming season. And for our fresh new joiners onto the show, which team are you supporting this year? Um, As usual, Mercedes. But yeah, I am always a supporter of the FI. Yeah, just for everyone else, he is our neutral FIA, not so neutral FIA, whichever way you want to take it. And the other person on our show is Naren. Hey, Naren, how are you doing? Hey, Rick, thanks for having me. It's, I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be on the show again. And to answer the same question that you asked, which Vivek answered, uh, Vignesh answered, I hope that uh, this year at least uh, Ferrari wins. Uh, it's been a long wait for them for the championship to win. So I'm rooted for Ferrari, but may the best team win. Yeah, it's been a long, long wait for Ferrari. Will things change? We'll get to know this season. Obviously, a lot of changes with respect to first up, the number of races in a season. As everyone's aware, the whole idea of this is over multiple races across various continents, across various racing tracks, teams are trying their best to cumulatively have the best driver and the championship as the best constructor to come into play. This year, we originally were supposed to have 24 races, but whether it's 2023 and hence we have 23 races, uh, the China race has been canceled and we do have 23 races this year. I want to check with our panelists which are the races, tracks that you're looking forward to, you know, and things in terms of that have come across or regular tracks that you always look forward to. Maybe we can start off with Naren. Yeah, obviously we have one new circuit which we are all excited about and that's obviously Las Vegas. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, Probably the first circuit, uh, which I will have to wait and see um, uh, how it goes. I think uh, the Las Vegas circuit is coming in. It's towards the end in November. Yeah, it's it's the last. So we it's a long wait. I will probably wait for that and see. Uh, but apart from that, it looks like it is the same same calendar and with the same also races every that we see every year. So if there's something that I look forward to, it's a new circuit and yeah, waiting for the last Vegas to kick in and see what happens. Gonna be partying hard in Vegas. Uh, high probability that the championship might be decided at that point or close to that point, maybe that race. So maybe that's rightly placed over there in the party town. But 
Yeah, Vignesh, how about you? Okay, since uh, Narayan already has taken Las Vegas out of context, now I would go with past Prakashan. The reason is because the circuit is majestic. It's one of the best among the circuits, I believe, on the current day. And the second circuit, which I am eagerly looking forward to, is my favorite, Marina Bay Circuit of Singapore. The home to the night race and the best race, according to me. Yep. Uh, and just for all the new viewers coming in, uh, I would say at a very high level, you can think of there are two types of circuits. You have your regular tracks out there. And there's something special to F1 are street circuits. And Singapore has been the flagship for that. And that's what Vignesh is highlighting. And the second flagship that Singapore did introduce is night racing, which has taken on in a big way. And we have a lot more races that happen across. Like just in terms of reshuffling, also want to highlight with Vegas coming in in November, you know, Saudi and Qatar have gone in earlier in the calendar. So while we have Qatar getting introduced again this year, there was a break last year with the uh, Soccer World Cup. Uh, Saudi is actually come up second. Usually it's Bahrain starting off with Australia right after. This time we're going to have Saudi second and then Australia coming in. And then we move on to Europe. So the other interesting thing this year is that there is a reasonable mix of tracks across continents. While it's still three continents, if you think of it, or four continents, if you think of it. Uh, but, you know, it used to be very Europe-centric before. Still slightly Europe-centric, but there's still a lot more diversity and variety, which is great for us from a time zone perspective. Because then we can watch races at different parts of the day. So that's one thing to be obviously excited about as Vignesh and Narayan highlighted. Las Vegas is interesting. Singapore is out there. For me, uh, home ground, Bahrain is always going to be home ground. And the fact that it's the season starter is always exciting. And to know that the season ends also in the region with Abu Dhabi. And that evening sunset, golden glow, when you get to decide who the championship winner is going to be is a rare occasion. It has happened before, two years back. Uh, who knows? It might happen this year too. Which brings us up to, are there any change in the constructors this year? Vignesh, from your perspective, are there any changes with respect to the constructors that we have here? There's a lot of talk about folks coming in and coming out. And secondly, that will be a follow-up in terms of then we can get into the drivers if there are any changes there. So for the constructors, I don't see any change in the constructors. The most peculiar change which I would see is in 2026 when we have Red Bull tying up with them. So that's one thing which we'll be looking forward to. Considering 2026 has a big rules and regulations change coming up. But overall, 10 constructors of our board remain the same as of today. Okay, fun test. Quick test between both of you. Name the 10 constructors. Okay, uh, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, uh, Alfa Tori, Alfa Romeo, uh, McLaren, Haas, Williams, and uh, which one did I miss? No, I think so, yeah, I missed one. It was Red Bull. No, I, I said Red Bull first. Did you say Red Bull? Uh, okay, Aston. Let's go. Aston, yeah. Aston Martin. Yeah. Mm, yes. So yeah, there were 10, there are 10 constructors, 10 track, uh, 10 teams, 
as Vignesh highlighted, no changes from the previous year in terms of the 10 teams that are on the track. Naren, from your perspective, obviously we had some great drivers retire last year. Some of them lost a seat. So there is a shakeup this year in terms of the drivers. Any key highlights that you want to highlight, uh, want to showcase in terms of drivers you're excited about coming on board or wearing new colors? Yeah, uh, I am actually really interested to see how Fernando Alonso performs in uh, the new Aston Martin uh, suit and the Aston Martin car, along with uh, a new driver for Bahrain, which is uh, Felipe Drogovic, who will race for Bahrain race. And I am also equally interested for all the other two uh, rookies of this year, uh, Nick, uh, the I think Logan Sargent and uh, Piastri. Oscar Piastri, who will be driving for uh, Williams and McLaren, respectively. So, considering that, uh, we have seen some uh, changes from Alpine uh, to from Alpine to Alphatari, the two French drivers of uh, Gasly and Nakon in the same team. So that's also something that I'm excited to see. Uh, and finally, yeah, like I always, uh, like I said in the uh, earliest earlier uh, timings. I'm excited to see how Science and Leclerc perform this year, considering that I've just watched two episodes of Drive to Survive, and uh, at least this year they've shown everything in good light. Et tu, Brutus. But yes, for everyone else, uh, Drive to Survive has been our common punching bag in terms of. I get it from their perspective. They over-dramatize because that's the audience that they're trying to capture around it. Uh, they bring about rivalries where they don't exist and make it a lot more exciting. But I think F1 has taken it onto heart that they can create drama themselves. And over the last two years, we've seen enough drama on the track, which we haven't seen historically or haven't heard of historically. And maybe that's the difference in terms of how broadcasting has played a big role where as fans, we can sit right here and hear all the action that's happening. Some of it may, may not make sense. But as we sit and try to break it all up, you have this group of fanalists who are looking at all those perspectives to highlight why something could have happened. Obviously, as Narin highlighted, a couple of teams have a lot of changes. But just to reiterate to everyone here, some of the teams are going to stick to their uh, two that they had from last year. And maybe we can do a quick roundup across all the teams on who the drivers are for especially our new fans. And Vignesh and Narain, I would ask you, as I mentioned the team name, to highlight who you think is the number one driver for that team. Because obviously, teams are cashing in on one person to be the number one driver who would help them win the championship or whatever goals that they have from their perspective, while allowing the other one to play the uh, role of Robin in Batman and Robin as the wingman to make sure that the other person can maximize their points. What this means is sometimes while you have two cars on the track, teams are trying out different configurations. Uh, they tend to experiment a bit more on the track with their wingman because the risk is higher if you're trying something new, unless the driver himself is comfortable doing those changes you tend to see that slight deviation on why teams focus on one person and you know try to do the different uh, experiments that they want with the second person when things really matter. 
So let's start off with top of the grid, last year's championship winners, right? And the drivers specifically, a uh, team that you forgot to mention in your top 10 or so we think. What do you think about them, Vignesh, this year? Max. Clearly, the I think it's one. very clear for everyone. Two times world champion Max Verstappen continues to be the trump card for their third, but they do have Sergio Perez, who has grown over the years, I would say. But Narin, do you think he's close to getting on the field and showing Max that he could also be number one? Um, we are considering that uh, there has been some heated arguments in 2022 between the race engineer and Checo about how the team order spent. I presume that he is uh, Perez is still giving a tough fight, uh, at least not for the third, but for being number one. But until Max is there, it's very difficult for him to reach the spot I'm in, inside Red Bull. So, like, I will go with this Vignesh answer. It is obviously Max for Red Bull. And uh, until and unless Max retires, the second person will always be the second person. And for our viewers who weren't around last year, what Darren is alluding to is on the track, Max had won the championship. All he had to do was a swap to give Perez more points to get comfortably second in the overall championship. Max refused to do that. So there is no love lost between both of them. And that brings us to the next team on the track, which is Ferrari, which as Narayan highlighted, he would love to see them win this year. This started off with the bang last year. Everyone was like, these guys are the ones to bet all your money on. And suddenly not being comfortable being in pole position, Ferrari's strategy just left the room. And they had a tough time trying to get back into the mix of it all. So uh, we'll go back to you, Narin. And, you know, with Leclerc and Sainz in play, who do you think is their number one? Um, it's a tough call, at least with respect to Ferrari. But I would say we can give, we can give it still to Leclerc, uh, considering that uh, he has pushed the car to the limit in 2022 by trying to at least be in the top spot. So, in my perspective, Leclerc will be the number one driver. And But but we can't also deny the fact that Carlos Sainz is still pushing and anytime he can be number one this year. I mean, for number one bromance award amongst drivers, I would say Ferrari is up there. Right, uh, the way these both of them are sort of pushing each other out, and that's probably because they haven't reached that competitive streak of winning, and that's kept them like, hey, we have to prove the world that we are good, and I feel that's where the romance is coming on. But another team that's got drivers who are poles apart in terms of experience on the track, one has a seven-time world champion, and other ones aiming to get there. What is your take on Mercedes, Vignesh? Um, to be fair enough, I would say that okay, the number one driver should be Russell. Last year he pulled it apart. I do understand that okay, Lewis Hamilton is a seven-time world champion, but yeah, if given a car, probably Lewis will also try to push hard. But considering the last year's facts aside, I would say that okay, 
Russell should be the number one driver. If Lewis Hamilton pushes and forces Russell, he can become the number one. Well, Lewis Hamilton has started pushing, at least in testing. And they're calling him Mr. Purple again. So let's see how that goes. But to your point, uh, and for all our viewers, Russell is also known as Mr. Dependable. He ensured last year he was in the top five, race in, race out, whenever he tried to finish. You know, Lewis was probably experimenting a lot more. We saw Lewis in areas of the track, in positions that we have never seen him in his career. But he really came back with a bang towards the end of the year, which makes all of us a lot more excited to know that we could potentially see another three-way race at the start of the season, just as how we thought it would be at the start of the previous season. If we sort of move from these three, we tend to kind of come back into the midsection. Right? One team, uh, orange all over. We have the smiling assassin on them. We won't get to see this year. Uh, but they obviously have got another upcoming star, PS3, in his place. Narin, what are your take on McLaren with Norris and PS3? Uh, okay. Uh, first, to answer the first question, uh, between the two who will be number one, obviously, Lando Norris will be their first driver because our PS3 is just a rookie. But like I've said earlier, I'm... I'm waiting to see how PS3 performs this year, considering that he has good track record in the other uh, chapters of Form FIA. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how it goes. Um, but uh, we really can't say, like, how Russell uh, overperformed the seven time world champion uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, last year. We can also see PS3 perform well this year. But, yeah, fingers are crossed. Then we have the A's, right, with Alpha, Tori, Alpine, Alpha, Romeo, <laughs> three A-teams, hoping to become A-teams on the track too. Obviously, Alpha Romeo has uh, Botas. Uh, last year, we saw him competing a lot with Hamilton down the track. But this year, from your perspective, Ignesh, with Zoo and Botas in play, what do you think Alpha Romeo is aiming for? Um, Bottas being the driver uh, number one, Juan Oju needs some experience. He's still there, it's just second season. He needs to put it in lap and lap out. That experience is what makes Bottas number one. Yeah, makes sense. I think the, uh, the other two teams that we already kind of spoke about earlier, as Narain was highlighting, uh, with Alpine having Gasly and Ocon, going to be a French revolution out there. And we've already touched about Aston Martin and Williams. One team that we didn't speak about is the Haas team. Uh, they won't have the brand name of Schumacher in one of the driver seats this year. But they do have Magnussen and Hulkenberg who have you know, really impressed in that Haas car. If you look back two years when they had rookies in play and they were just sweeping the 19th and 20th time and again, these folks have shown that Haas can get points on the table and experience does help irrespective of the car. So, you know, from your perspective, Narin, what do you think about Haas this year with Magnussen and Hulkenberg at the helm? Uh, 
uh, I would like to quote the first episode of DDS season five. And in that, uh, they, they would have highlighted Magnus and be a comeback champion where he, he would have P5 in Bahrain last year. So now that he is completely focused and he knows how the 2022-2023 car performed, I'm very sure that he will still aim and be on the top five, top ten, uh, if not at the bottom, like he did previously. Uh, and uh, I'm... I'm not very confident with Hulkenberg, at least for the first three races, because he's just been into the seat, and I'm not sure if he has the same rage and fire like how Magnussen had, because, yeah, obviously Magnussen had a lot of fight with Gunther, and he breaks the door of Gunther's office, but not with uh, Hulkenberg. So, probably he'll take his own time to understand the car, and then he will fight back. But uh, I keep my eyes on Kevin. Awesome. Cool. With that, I'll quickly jump over the other thing that has obviously changed for this year is the livery, which is the colors in which the F1 cars have decked themselves up with. Which one was the most exciting one or the one that really got your attention? We can start off with you, Vignesh. Yeah, the thing which caught off my attention over this year's livery was Red Bull. It was just a copy paste of last year. So, yeah, it caught a lot of my attention. But more than that, I would say there have been some wonderful deliveries this year. I love how the Haas went the dark mode. They had basically the black Ferrari. Mercedes, written back to their black, but they also have the silver touch. So, that's what excited me the most. But of all, I would say the Alfa Romeo is super. My favorite. How about you, Naren? I actually have to go the same because um, I think in the group uh, we had a vote and I voted for Alfa Romeo while everyone again voted for the Mercedes. But yeah, Alfa Romeos were top top of deliveries for me at least this year, and they were and on on top of that, uh, Bottas's helmet was also something that was spoken during testing. Uh, so yeah, Alfa Romeos. If I have to rank it. Will be for me at least, Alfa Romeos, then closely followed by uh, Mercedes, Haas. Makes sense. And I mean, Vignesh, to your point, Red Bull is going to be like, why break some, why fix something when it's not broken? And they want to stick to their winning formula and the winning colors. So that's probably why they're sticking to that winning formula while everyone else has tweaked things around. As Vignesh highlighted, I think Mercedes coming back to colors that we have seen them before has rejuvenated the Merck fan club. And with the results that they had towards the end of the year, everyone's excited about seeing what the season is all lined up. And if folks were following the Bahrain testing that happened uh, over the past few days, uh, Lewis Hamilton has been hitting the purple patches. So a lot of excitement out there lined up to see how the top sections completely play out. Another area, last year we saw a lot of technical changes that came across on the F1 track, which was hopefully meant to bring all the teams closer in from a racing perspective. We did see a lot of close battles, literally, uh, with the racing last year. But from your perspective, any technical changes that we should be aware of or excited about? Probably Naren, 
you want to start off with this one yes uh, there has been a lot of technical regulation but one thing that caught my attention is how they are, uh, how they would be tackling purposing purposing this year uh, from what i have seen in the actual reports that really many websites have been publishing there has been increase in the floor height, floor height by 10 10 millimeters uh, Mercedes actually proposed a 20, uh, 15 millimeter. Sorry, Mercedes actually proposed a 25 millimeter change in the height to tackle purposing, uh, which is now regulated to 15 millimeters. And considering that, we'll see how uh, the cars reduce purposing. But I think many people have already told, even during the testing this year, that the cars are still bouncing up and down. Uh, so we'll have to wait until the race goes and see how it goes. Uh, so that's that's something that I'll be eagerly waiting to see how the cars perform this year with the new technical regulations. For viewers wondering what porpoising means, uh, please come down to Bangalore and I'll tell you about certain roads where you can experience it. <laughs> but with that, uh, Vignesh, anything that you wanted to highlight before we look to wrap up this episode of the season opener? Yeah, to me, the one thing which caught my eyes was for the first time since 2014, F1 has a weight reduction of 2 kgs. And that's that's blown me out of position, considering that, okay, we still had proposing and everything. But yeah, the arrow and considering that, okay, F1 is going towards a new regulation for 2020, this is the first step. So in the upcoming years, we can see a more reduction in the weight. Yeah, with that, I'm going to quickly round up this episode, which hopefully gave all of you a quick insight into what to expect this year with respect to the drivers, the teams, the tracks, and all the regulations in play. We'll be doing episode openers or race openers and race closers throughout the season. So you're going to see us at least 23 more times this year. And with that, I want to thank our panelists Vignesh and Narain for taking their time out and sharing their insights to get us started and revved up for the season 2023. With that, for all our viewers, I'd suggest you please share, subscribe and like our YouTube channel. We're looking to also get into podcasting mode from an audio podcast so you can listen to us while you're driving down to wherever you have to go. Uh, but please drive safe. And if you have any comments, please put them down in the chat box topics that you want us to work through to help you get onto the journey of F1, especially for all our new viewers that have, who have joined in either through having watched Drive to Survive. And as Narain says, season this season is a little more realistic. I will take his word for it because I kind of stopped watching after season one. But with that, thank you everyone. This is Toast to Talk, your F1 panelist show.